Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up on this week's show, we'll hear from Guernsey Raiders Director of Rugby, Jordan Reynolds, as they prepare to make their long-awaited return to National 2 South on Saturday. You know, we obviously want to be out of that relegation zone. We do have a certain spot that we think we're, we're, we want to be attacking out around that midfield, uh, mid-table, sorry. Um, is it achievable? I think, I think it is. We'll also speak to show jumper Sarah Jackson, who's fresh from helping Guernsey to Team Glory in the standout of the local season, the Horse of the Year show. Plus, we'll round up some of the other highlights of the week and look ahead to what else is coming up, including a big weekend for the island's triathletes competing in the Granite Man event. I'm Tony Kerr, and with me to do all that is the full team, Rob Batiste. How do? Gareth DePrevo. Hi, Tony. And Jamie Ingle. Hello. Great to see you guys. Um, let's start with some highlights of the week quickly then. Gareth, I'll come to you first. Um, well, last weekend we had a bit of a, a double header. Really, the cricket season ended with the the inaugural grand finals day of our hundred competition. I, th- I thought the whole day went really well. Actually, the um, the lower divisions eighty ball final was great entertainment as well. It was um, it was really well thought out, and um, it's something that I think Mark Latter is looking to perhaps introduce, perhaps as a as a season opener next year. It sort of be the warm up for the evening league, but um, it was a very entertaining day, and it's always great to see a couple of the island stars making big runs. I mean, obviously Tim Ravenscroft made ninety seven in the final against the young Optimus Attack, who I think will learn not to bowl too short to him in future. Um, and, but also Matt Stokes scored a scored a hundred in in hundred ball cricket, which is the first for the island. So um, yeah, it was great to see people like that um, sort of shining on on the big occasion. But yeah, like I say, the lower divisions final was also really entertaining. Um, but then on Sunday I was out at um, Grand Mar and I must say um, the way they do their club championships I'm really impressed with um, it's something I'd, I'd like to suggest to sort of like the other the, the two main clubs um, uh, in Royal and Lancres up, up north um, I know St Pierre Park do their club championships as part of their Tony Jacklin Open but Grand Mar, it's over 36 holes they play the first round and then the leaders go out as a group last and it's great because it really adds to the tension um, Jeremy Nicole, who came out on top, it was his first time playing in the Grand Mar one. He he said to me afterwards, sort of like he, it was a different type of pressure he'd never felt before playing alongside someone um, in Ollie Chedome, who he knew he had a, a one-shot deficit going into the final round, knew what was going on because he's playing alongside the same guy, and he he just really enjoyed the tension that built and just putting himself under that pressure was really good. So I I think I'd really like to see that in the in the other club championships just to. Um, just to give that sort of added pressure and build tension in those tournaments, it's it's, um, it's a really good way of doing it. Yeah, I guess it can only be good as well heading into the interinsula for the some of those top players to be sort of in the mix and in a sort of competitive environment. Yeah, I'm not sure how well Dave Jeffrey took last Sunday because <laughs> usually he's um, he's heavily involved in the club championship at Grand Mar, but he he wasn't in the final group for the first time in probably several years. And um, I mean, ending up fourth is is no um, d- no disgrace. But um, yeah, I think he would have been delighted to see um, Ollie and and Jeremy show um, really good form with the entrance that are now. Uh, well, it's only eight days away now, so um, yeah, it's looking good for Guernsey. Yeah, great stuff, Jamie. You were on the plane at the weekend away. I think that's your pick of the week. Not on the plane. I caught the boats. <laughs> but yeah, uh, sorry for being pedantic. But yes, yeah, so I've been off to the Hampshire County Championship in Portsmouth with Guernsey's athletics squad 
Um, quite a modest size squad. We only had seven athletes competing and one of them was representing Southampton. But <laughs> I think Jersey really outdid us there because they had over 40. But yeah, uh, performance-wise, we had a great double bill of under 17, 800-meter titles from young Kate Bain and John Luca Billiard. Both quite dominant and just performances which show the strength of half milers we've got on Ireland at the moment. Yeah, and why was it that Jersey had such a, a big contingent and we were maybe a, a, a bit sort of lacking in numbers? I don't know, really. Jersey <laughs> just conveyed great enthusiasm, like posing with a Jersey flag afterwards. I think locally it was a real niche focus. They've always had a, 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 a big thing about Hampshire Championship, so I can yeah. you know go back to quarter of a century and they've always probably outnumbered us fractionally um, in terms of teams in Portsmouth, uh, which is strange, really, when you think that they seem to get so many athletes there, but when it comes to staging the interinsula, they don't want to know. Yes. So I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps they see easier victories in Portsmouth than they do at Foots Lane. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> yes. Rob, your pick of the week? A bit of show jumping and a bit of hill climb. I must admit, I was a, enjoyed a fine two hours at Chevron Loire on Sunday afternoon in the sunshine, tucked away in the corner there, watching Guernsey win the interinsula. Um, show jumping team competitions, juniors and seniors. Very impressive, although I don't think the jersey were particularly representative of their, their full um, equestrian capabilities. It was a bit of a scratch side put together. Um, but nevertheless, um, the team did very well. Um, Sarah Jackson flew over all the obstacles on on her horse very impressively and Eleni Fuller came in with the final round just to make sure we did actually secure the title and then on Monday it was down at Val de Terres for the last event of the season and it was a good competitive day some good good competition seven records went John Dunn again broke a record he's one of the stalwarts of the scene he's always um, you know he's he's somebody who's been around for so many years and he just keeps chipping away chipping away chipping away loves his sport so fair play to him and there was a great um competition in the road going series production cars up to 2000 cc with jamie lepage and lee paul vying all day for the title and the record and um, at the end of the day jamie came out on top so well fair fair play to him well done one thing before i move on though i'm a bit concerned about this um we're going to do you think, Gareth, we're going to have the um, the hundred is going to take over the evening, evening league in years to come? I wouldn't have thought so. No, <laughs> <laughs> the hundred is great for the for the shorter evenings because you can sort of play a whole game starting at six o'clock and be finished pretty much by eight o'clock. But um, when it comes to the full full blown T Twenty stuff, that's our, that's ideal for sort of June and July. Good, so. I'm relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, we're going to hear from Sarah Jackson in a moment. We've been speaking to her. But let's turn our attention to rugby now because it is the week uh, that Guernsey Raiders have been waiting for. Nearly 18 months on from being promoted back to the fourth tier of English rugby. Uh, They'll finally get their chance again in National 2 South. Uh, Jordan Reynolds' men start at Worthing on Saturday, uh, the first of four away games uh, in a row to kick off the new season. They go to Rochford, Dings and Barnstable uh, before making their competitive return at Footslow against Leicester Lions on the 2nd of October. Uh, well, let's hear from uh, the Raiders uh, DOR now. Jordan Reynolds, Gareth spoke to him at their training session on Tuesday evening. After 18 months, Jordan, <laughs> we're finally back in competitive rugby. We're just about to start it again. Um, 
Do you feel fully prepared? I mean, it can't be easy having had such a long break. Yeah, I don't think you ever feel fully prepared, uh, especially in pre-season. Um, I've, I've quite often spoke about it, it probably takes you a couple of months to, to really get into the swing of things. But every team's on the same on the same path, um, which is great and, and it's a good level. But it, it is exciting to be back in, um, which has been fantastic. It's been such a long time and, um, you know, fingers crossed that it, it can just run smoothly throughout the year. And, and we have no stoppages or breaks, but look, we've been really optimistic at the moment and we're, we're just really excited to get back into it this week. What's been sort of like the biggest difficulty in preparing for this season? Obviously, last season was always likely to be sort of postponed or cancelled as it turned out. But what's been the biggest difficulty um, in preparing for your second stint at National 2? Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you could often go to time out. Um, having that amount of time out, but we actually did a fair bit of work as, as, as we're progressing through the time, but I think it's probably managing expectations of players. Um, you know, what we probably saw in that first game against Western Park, the, the excitement got a little bit too much for everyone and we almost overplayed our hand before we even got there. And um, You know, if, if I think it's taken us a lot longer to get to, to where we need to be structurally wise, um, especially on attack and defence. But like I said, um, if, if, if the players are really excited about something, then they're not thinking of the, the smaller processes that need to be to be yeah. made. So we've tried to really draw it back, um, you know, back to the drawing board and, and really start from scratch. And a lot of the stuff that we're doing here is that really like that amateur level of, of just rebuilding the blocks again. And, um, you know, I think from, from where we were last week, we're in a good spot at the moment, but we're still a long, long way off from where we need to be. Yeah. Obviously, like I say, it's your second stint at National 2. You were last there 2018-19. Um, what lessons did you learn from, from that season that you're going to bring into this season? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, the, the, there's some things that were out of our hands that season, but the, the, the takeaways that we learned was, one was speed of game and the physicality that need to be, but it was also the, the reaction to um, like that, those turnover balls. You know, I think probably around 60% of the tries that we leaked through that season was the transition periods, that how teams could just quickly adapt. And yeah. it's something that we took away and actually introduced ourselves when we were in back in National 3. And I think it gave that gave us the leg up against a lot of sides. Um, you can build phases as much as you can, and that's probably been in our DNA for a while. But if you can turn two passes into a quick try with, you know, an Anthony Armstrong or a Matt Armstrong out wide then it just makes the the process a lot easier and it makes the game a lot easier for us and it's something that we're working on now is the transition part from attack to defense so the hope for us this weekend is you know if, if teams are turning us over um, turning position over or if we're knocking on ball that we're transitioning a lot quicker than we did last time and that would be a massive learning curve for us this year. Talking about what you're trying to implement what sort of when you get back to Footslane what sort of style of rugby can the fans expect from you this season? Well, we've look. We've we've already had, we've always had um, two styles that we, we love to stick, but we love to integrate them into to each other. We have a big uh, forwards power game that we like to play when we're in certain zones, and we like to play expansive rugby. Um, there are slight changes to what we've we've tried to do. We try to be a, we talk about being expansive, but it, it's been deliberately. Uh, deliberate practice in what we do so we have certain sets that we wanted to make sure that we can get out into our weaker channels and the weaker channels are literally where we see the offset of say where forwards connect to, to back lines and stuff like that so that's where we're trying to aim at the moment we know we've got to be a lot fitter as well but you know our attacking style has to has to be something integrated and, and improved from where we were uh, when did we play? Two seasons ago, uh, with the buy that w was there. But mainly, uh, and, and purposefully, we're, we're trying to fix our defence. And you can see the boys out the back there now. We're working solely around our defensive structures. We've changed our defensive structures completely. And it's, we're hoping, if we want to be, you know, that uh, one, of, one of the better sides in the league or, or somewhere where we can compete, we know our defence has to be something that we, 
we can fall back on. Yeah, sure. The last time you were in National 2, obviously you had a few difficulties with injuries and quite a lot of bad luck, really. Um, you're going into the season with about 38 players, um, and there's also sort of several new faces. I mean, how have the new faces sort of fitted in so far? Yeah, uh, really well. Um, we've been really impressed with some of the new guys that are coming through. Um, Oscar Baird now has played uh, two games for us, but he's been here for, for a fair stint, and he's improving every week, which is, which is great. Charlie Simmons has had a couple of games too and been settling in well, uh, which has been great. Charlie Davis um, is, a, is, is another player that's settling in well, which is good. Kieran McGann, um, he's somewhere where we feel we could probably build some attack around, which is which is fantastic for us. These guys are, you know, like I said, um, it's very difficult for these guys to be coming into such a, for, for any team, but coming into the Guernsey side. Yeah. You know, we're very renowned of, of who we are as a club and, and how we play the game. And what we, what, what, what we try to do is we try to take pieces of what these players can offer us and then adapt our, our style to suit them as well. So it's, it, it's been a learning curve for everyone over the last um, couple of months, but it's been exciting. First up, you've got Worthing away. Um, what do you expect from them? They are an opposition we have faced before. So, I mean, does that help going into the new season? I think so. I think when you look at their side, there's some, a couple of familiar faces, but they've also changed a fair bit. I thought they had a pretty good season last time. Uh, we're in that two and we're in that three. Uh, we actually lost both times to them. Um, last time we hit it out, but they were very close games and we, we lost the last game that, uh, away to them in extra time. So um, it, would good be, it would be good to talk about a little bit of redemption, but I don't think that's really the case for us at the moment. I think we've got four tough games off the bounce playing away. Um, we need to focus on, on what we can um, and, and the little pass that we, we can do. Uh, coming off the preseason, you don't get to see other teams playing and what their footage is, so we don't know what they're going to be like, but we are excited about it. Um, if any game you wanted to play besides Rochford, it would probably be worthy. <laughs> Like you say, you're going to be starting with four away games. It's something that doesn't really seem to bother you from sort of previous conversations we've had. Can you set yourself a, a target for what you want to achieve in, in September? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, look, to turn around and say, oh, you'd love to win all four games, well, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? But let's be honest, we're playing four fantastic teams. Um, and we're playing teams that we haven't beaten away. You know, we haven't beaten Rochford away, haven't beaten Worthing away, and we haven't played, the, and we, uh, we haven't beaten Dings away, and we haven't played Barnstable um, before. So, you know, the, the, there's huge, big challenges there um, um, for us. But we're not, we're not too worried about the fact that we have to play away. We're just excited that we get to play rugby, yeah. um, and we're using that enthusiasm at the moment to hopefully boost us into these games. But look, it's a tall order. Um, you know, if we were to win one, I think people would say that was successful. If we were to win two, I think it'd be, you know, pretty fantastic. I know where we feel we. We want to be after the four games um, and I'll keep that a little bit quiet at the moment and, and we'll see if we're successful after it but at the end of the day it's a pretty long season but I do feel we have to be picking up a couple of wins um, you know especially in the first six games otherwise it's going to be a tough season yeah of course the, the sort of knock-on effect of being away in, in the early part of the season you get more home games later on um, do you think that'll be a benefit <laughs> well when we sold it to the players noting the fact that January was at home they were pretty excited about that as well um, Look, it does make a difference because, you know, when you come in after the Christmas break, um, the fact that we don't have to travel through January and the fact that we only have one uh, away game in April, and if you need to pick up those wins to, to, to make sure that we're in a good position by the end, those, those will come those will be invaluable to anyone you know I mean they're so important to us so I th look it is tough but I think there's I think there's some value that comes out of it and, and the fact that we can be picking up in the end of August um, sorry in April would be would be fantastic it's probably difficult to say now but what do you think would constitute a successful season for Raiders come next April so if we it's very difficult because 
We won eight games last time. We had something like 42 points. I mean, if you look at the season that just passed us, um, teams, were, teams were staying up with 35 points. So actually what we did in that season was actually really good. But, it, you know, you can't really apply that to the circumstances this year. I think, you know, we obviously want to be out of that relegation zone. We do have a certain spot that we think we're, we're, we want to be attacking out around that midfield, uh, mid-table, sorry. Um, is it achievable? I think, I think it is. I think we've learned a lot from where we are. Um, you know, we, the, the players are excited about it. I think the one thing that really showed that last time that we are in National 2 is, even though we lost a lot of games, we picked up five of the last eight um, games were wins. So it showed that we never gave up the entire time. So if we can improve on that, then, and pick up, I think we lost six games by three points. You know, if we can pick up those wins as well, you know, there's a lot of fight left in this team and I, I think we can improve. But like I said, um, we've, we've just got to be better than we were last time and that was relegation. So if we can improve from there, then, then we've been successful. Great to hear from Geordie there, Gareth. Um, Guernsey back at this level, of course, just for the second time in their history, um, relegated uh, at the first attempt last time out. Um, do you get a sense that they're better prepared to survive this time around? I certainly think they should be better equipped in terms of squad size, Tony. Um, last time in National 2, it was one of those things that when you watch Raiders, you just had the impression if they'd have been able to put uh, their best 15 out at the time, they would have been a, a very competitive side. They never had the opportunity to do that. The, the luck was against them pretty much that whole season. Um, Geordie did sort of mention the fact that they, they finished very well that season. They won five out of their last eight games, so they were certainly capable um, unfortunately, you get to this season and already you sort of turn up at a training session and Geordie's already bemoaning some of the injuries they've got. But they are more, they're better equipped now to actually deal with that. They've got a squad of sort of 38, 39, he's, he's talking about, who would be capable of playing at that level. Um, so hopefully the worst of the injury crisis, because we always have one every season, hopefully the worst of it is right now. And um, we should be able to field decent sides every week, fingers crossed. And there are a few new faces around. Um, I guess we'll get to know them over the coming season. Uh, mixed in with, with some players that, that obviously the crowd down at Futsal has got to know very well over the, over the years. Um, who do you expect to be the, the key names to, to watch out for this time? Um, well, there's always a, sort of like a couple of the what you'd perhaps call the imports who are always um, sort of stars of the show. Certainly the guys like Doug Horrocks and uh, Owen Thomas will be part of the spine of that team again. I, I still think sort of the two Armstrong boys boys are still the standouts probably because they're about six foot five and in the <laughs> with a and usually with traveling a, yeah going place. very quickly in the in the back line um if they can keep those two fit the sort of rugby that geordie wants to play will get the ball in their hands pretty regularly so um hopefully they'll be able to be pretty destructive against the opposition this season but it, yeah every time we get a new season there's always a few new faces and a couple of those will always um sort of impress very quickly it'd be quite interesting to see there's a couple of guys who sort of came for last season obviously we didn't end up having a season but they played in the um, what they termed the test series over here um, one of the guys Callum Roberts played wing he looked very impressive when in those games so hopefully he, he can sort of transform that into the national two um, and there's uh, Hugo Colehouse is <laughs> a massive great big guy so hopefully he can make an impact as well but um, yeah, I, th I think you'd look at sort of certainly the Armstrong boys and a couple of the others who are still sort of regulars from the last few seasons. Joe Anderson, the, the Norwegian international we've got in our back line. 
um, those sort of guys will, will be very important for Raiders this, this season. Yeah, and as we say, it's going to be a few weeks yet before we can uh, go down to Fitzlane and, and watch the team in action. Um, uh, Rob, obviously, you know, this is a club that's, that's sort of moved on massive strides in the last decade or sort of 15 years. How big is it for them to be back at National 2 level, fourth tier of English rugby? Well, it's huge, but the, more importantly, they need to be playing rugby. Let's face it, uh, unlike the... Um, football scene where Guernsey FC players can dip back into local local leagues and get their their sport on a weekly basis without um, national rugby um, Guernsey rugby, rugby players have nothing um, so it's so so vital that they have a full season um, and it'd be great to see to be honest because that sport really has just transformed in the last 20 years 15 years particularly um, it provides absolutely fantastic um, entertainment down at Footslane on a regular basis. There's no better sight than, you know, the f- full stand and then um, Anthony Armstrong being put in by some pass and then racing away <laughs> over the horizon. No, no chance of anybody catching him. But having said that, um, I said, remember remnants of, you know, the last national two seasons as, as quick as... Anthony is. I seem to remember some of the opposition sides that came over were had some fantastically quick players, and you did really notice that there is a step up of class from from where Guernsey were previously. And um, so it'd be great, great entertainment though. Yeah, when it gets back, it's going to be very exciting to watch here for sure. I mean, where does it rank for you in terms of? Um, achievements in team sport in, in Guernsey sort of modern sporting history for, for the rugby club to have reached this level have got back to this level well crikey well I think in terms of um, in terms of league status it must be the highest it outstrips what Guernsey FC have, ch- have achieved um, I'm not sure if it's the the you know, when we talk about just one-off matches, etc. Because when you've got to, you've got to look back at the GFC's FA Vars campaign of whenever it was, and to reach the semi-finals and playing Spennymoor, I mean, that was one hell of an achievement, and it was with a very, very good side. Um, and of course, then you go back into the distant past with the likes of Valrec going a long, long way in the in the national amateur competitions. But in terms of team competition week in week out there's nothing to compare I think with what Raiders are at the moment it's a I would have thought it's a much higher level nationally than the um what what um Guernsey FC are, are doing in football well, it is going to be very exciting. Four games on the road, obviously, to kick things off. So a, a little wait, and I'm sure there'll be an enormous clamour uh, when uh, yeah, when Raiders do get back to Footslane next month. I'm going with the team on Saturday to Worthing, so I'm uh, going to be filming the game. So keep an eye out um, for, for coverage online uh, via our social media platforms. At GSY Press Sport is the place to find uh, all that. Uh, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking straight jumping. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts to get every episode delivered straight to you each Thursday. Uh, Now, a bit of a change of pace, a bit of a change of scene. Uh, uh, Let's talk about the highlight of the local show jumping season after a bit of a truncated event last year. The Horse of the Year show was back uh, looking, I think, and feeling closer to normal uh, with Jersey riders involved, as you were saying before, Rob, uh, this season, going up against the top Guernsey jumpers. Well, Sarah Jackson was one of the riders um, leading the way uh, for the Guernsey contingent uh, up there. She came in to have a chat with uh, me and Rob uh, and tell us all about it and um, give us a bit of an insight as well into the sport itself and, and how much work goes on behind the scenes. Coming into the event, 
Sarah, did you have any sort of big um, expectations of success? Uh, well, two years ago, I'd won the ladies' championship and been third in it three years ago. So I'd ideally have liked to win that again until I had an unfortunate forgot my course. So that was that class gone. Uh, the Grand Prix, I would have liked to win that because I hadn't won that before. And my horse jumped amazing in the first round. And then in the second round, she took a big disliking to one of the fences. So that was that class gone. And then on the Sunday, we had the show drum for the year and jumped a lovely first round. Then I was first to go in the jump off. So I know I had to go for it and set the best time I could. And I did some really amazing turns. Even the course builder said how fantastic they were. And then I managed to jump into the double near the end of the course and my horse just ran out the second element so that was that gone so everything just kind of felt like it was slipping away although I had a win each day I didn't win the biggest classes that I really wanted to if I was on top form I you know don't want to sound like I'm boastful but I would have had a really good chance at winning all of them mm. so this year although I did really well there was a few bits that I didn't do as well as I should have done really but that's just you know horses the pressure was on obviously being a team competition though to perform in that in the you know the team event so yeah it's quite funny because like the class before you're competing against everybody else and then you go into the team competition and you're with your three other teammates who you've just been up against so yeah we just all had to kind of think about our individual horses and then work together as a team knowing that we needed to jump around clear and pretty fast because as I'd said before the time allowed was really tight we'd noticed that with the junior competition so when we walked the course and spoke to our chef to keep she said that that we needed to keep an eye on the time but I know my horse is always fast anyway so if I'd have got time faults, then there would have been a big issue then. Yeah. Well, you flew around and sailed over each fence, if I seem to remember. Yeah, it was a really lovely round. I was so pleased with her. And did that sort of a big, um, give you a lot of confidence for the Masters? Well, the Masters to follow, it was actually a smaller height class and it was day four of the show, day three of the show jumping. So the horses were all getting a bit tired by then. So actually it was almost a bit of a fun class to finish on. And then the horses all finished jumping happily, so it was really nice. It wasn't quite a full horse of the year show, as you know we've known in the past, but it was certainly a return to closer to normality. Did it feel like, yeah, a more exciting event having not had it last year? Yeah, it was really exciting because last year we only held a three-day show, and we had problems with the weather because it basically rained the whole week due, uh, leading up to the show. So we had flooded arenas and muddy arenas. Uh, this year we had quite a few competitors over from Jersey, so it was really nice that they came over. Potentially we could have had some English, but there was some big shows going on in the UK. And with the coronavirus, we didn't really know what restrictions would be in place. And when you book the boat with the horse lorries, you need to book well enough in advance to get the space. So it was all slightly up in the air. So any English people that were interested, they decided it was easier not to come this year. Mm. As How's the, um, the pandemic impacted your own career and your own competition the last couple well, of years in 2019 I joked that I should go and compete in France before Brexit happened in case that couldn't happen the next year and I'm so glad I did go because obviously then 2020 we had coronavirus so although my mum kind of rolled her eyes at me when I said come on we need to go to Dinar this year which is a five-star international horse show and she said really you must be joking I was like, no, we're going. And we went and it was just amazing. Um, obviously, 
we didn't have events for quite a few months in 2020 missed out a couple this year but that was in the winter and actually for me it didn't impact this year quite so badly because Millie Folly for Arcadia she went to England to the vets during lockdown so although it was really upsetting time because you know I love my horse so much and she had to go away to England I didn't miss any competitions over here and then when she came back we were just starting to compete again but she had to go into rehabilitation and the vets had said by the end of July she should be back competing where she was so to have her back at Horse of the Year show in August jumping you know literally as good as she's ever done before I was just so happy. You've how long have you had Folly for Arcadia? So I've owned Millie four years. Did you give her the name Millie or was it so um her stable name's Millie, that's what she came called as, and she's from the Follyfoot stud, so that's how she got they call it a prefix on the horse's name. So Follyfoot Arcadia is the name she came with. Would you consider it your best ever horse? Yeah, mum says to me almost on a daily basis, you're so lucky to have her. Uh, at the minute because of coronavirus and things as we know prices of everything houses horses most things have gone up I'd had to pay I would have had to pay like double or three times the price I paid for in the beginning which wasn't cheap but are we talking car prices or house Um, prices for horses between 10 and 50,000 for a good horse to have over here 10 and 50 yeah wow 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 it's obviously a serious investment, but how quickly do you know that there's a really special connection there and that you're sort of onto a winner? Uh, generally, when you go and try the horse out in England, you think, or well, wherever you're trying it out, mm, I, yeah. But when I went to try her out, I actually didn't really have any feeling. I was like, I don't know if I like her because I hadn't tried out horses for years. And then I came away and mum's like, I think you should buy her. You know, she's a really good horse. And obviously I'm so happy now I did buy her. But to start with, everybody said, oh, she's so lovely, so this, so that. And I was like, but she's chunkier than my other horse. She's not as pretty. I just, actually, I feel so bad that I didn't think she was that great in the beginning. And now she's just, I think she's amazing. How much time would you spend preparing her and looking at her after her in, in a normal week? Can you so give us any idea? I luckily work at my parents riding stables for my job so I just you know dip in and out of my horses during my time when I'm teaching and things in between lessons Uh, but generally ride for up to an hour a day that's not just a day you know that's weeks in advance of the competition you have to think about how fit you need to get them so she was pretty fit for the year show with it being a three days of jumping she needed to be very fit but they're not mad on the first day, even though she was pretty wild. Uh, beha- well behaved, but just <laughs> wired. And everybody said, you hung on very tight there. Um, and like I do a lot of going down the beach, taking her in the sea, because I don't want to work her on the hard ground. Obviously, with it being the summer, the fields are very hard. Uh, she doesn't really like going out hacking, but I try and do a bit of that because we try and give our horses as much variety as we can. Yeah, and you mentioned Dina before. Um, yeah, now that you're sort of yeah back back to a relatively normal horse of the issue, and, and and that kind of yeah the excitement of that level of competition uh, is there aspirations there to hopefully when things get moving even <laughs> kind of more than they are now to to get back to to kind of really sort of pushing yourself. Yeah, I'd really like to go away to England, jump some bigger classes. I could have gone. I generally tend to stay in Guernsey during the summer and support the local shows. I'd have liked to go away in September because that's when I'd usually take Millie away to England. But still, there's a bit of uncertainty with the coronavirus and the boats aren't great for travelling. So I've decided not to go away. So 
kind of it feels like my season's ended now, which is a bit disappointing, but, you know, that's just how it is at the minute. You see, say the season's ending now. It's a long winter ahead. I mean, what would you do with it Millie? Feels, it Millie feels and like Millie. a long winter, <laughs> yeah. and Millie makes it feel like an extremely long winter because when the nights start drawing in, she just, it, you know, it's windy and rainy. She likes to spend her time running around the field, causing chaos, breaking <laughs> fences. Oh dear. She's very high maintenance in the winter, and at that point, I think, why do I do this? And then come the spring, I remind remind myself, this is why I do this, because she's so great. How long do you think, can you envisage you riding Millie for? You say, how old is... So Millie's 10, so you'd say she's coming into her prime. A lot of the horses at the Olympics between 12 and 13. So although she's not old, I'd like to get a younger horse, maybe a five-year-old to have coming up behind her. So that when, you know, if she's off or doesn't feel like jumping one day, I've got another horse that's coming up through the ranks that's ready to compete as well how would you um view the whole show jumping scene locally nowadays do you think it's really competitive and is it something really challenging or? there's definitely although there's not as many people as used to compete the riders that do compete are very competitive certainly in the higher classes and you know who you've got to look out for that's going to give you a run for your money and do well and it's nice that there's you know people competing into their 60s even 70s as well is there a strong big rivalry between you girls yes (laughs) (laughs) i'd say more of a rivalry between the parents we say good luck we say well done we say everything whereas my mum is very neutral she's fine but there's some people that for instance if i get eliminated will actually clap and be quite happy that I got eliminated oh because that's not oh very dear, sportsmanlike. Oh <laughs> and then when they win, they'll whoop and cheer and, you know, we clap and we say well done, but we don't go over the top about it. When it's the team, obviously there's a lot more atmosphere and there's everybody cheering for you, which is really nice because then it feels like you've got lots of people supporting you. Whereas, you know, if you're pretty good, actually you have less people supporting you, unfortunately. So you just have to try and go out and do it on your own. Yeah, is it nice to have that that team element because it sort of yeah slightly dissipates the rivalry locally? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as I said earlier, you know, the competition straight after the team, we were back at each other head to head again almost. Whereas during the team, we're trying to work together. So. Yeah, but you need that rivalry to spur each other on, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you'd just be feeling like you're going for a canter around a few jumps and there wouldn't be any, you know, pressure there. Have you got any big targets in the sport? Other well, than cleaning up locally? When I was in year six at Forest School, we all stood up on stage and everybody saying what they were going to do, go to university, be a doctor. I was the one that stood there and said, I'm not going to go to university. I want to be a professional horse rider. So I'd still like to be a professional horse rider. I'd need somebody with lots of money to buy me lots of good horses, though. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, uh, do, you find, do you think you've got the skills for it? I'd say I'm pretty good, yeah. Yeah, good. good. And lots of people have said that I'm a good rider. Obviously, you need a good horse to go with you. You know, you can't just jump on anything and make it jump. And equally, if somebody else tried to get on Millie, she probably wouldn't even move for them. So. But is it very much at that top level in the UK, a case of, you, you know, if you've got good backing behind you, you, yeah, you can go far? So, um, like, for instance, the Abramovich girls, they are OK riders, but they've got really good horses. So then you can get further in the sport because they came over here about 10 years ago when I was in the junior ranks. We turned up to the show at the spring show, so the end of May, and there was a massive horse box there. 
And it turned out that Roman Abramovich had brought his daughters over to a little show in Guernsey, which was quite funny. I can imagine the horse box was fairly substantial. Was it gold-plated? <laughs> it was, it was about 150,000, and 10 years ago, that would be about 300,000 now, so it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So this is, it sounds to me, you know, with the expense of it all and... This is my life, yeah. It's just horses, horses, horses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's where all my money goes. Yeah. You talk about the money. Is it an accessible sport locally even? I mean, is there a way in, a way to take part to compete if you don't have the means? Yeah, we've got a riding school. We let children come and ride the ponies. You don't have to have your own pony. We take children to the pony club, riding club, the local shows in the summer, like the West Show, the North Show. So you don't have to have all the gear. You come to us, we'll talk you through it, we'll help you out, give you experience and just, you know, see where your children want to go, really. Sarah Jackson there talking to me and Rob. Right, let's have a look at what's coming up. Uh, and on Island, the big event this weekend uh, certainly looks like being the Granite Man Triathlon. Uh, Jamie, uh, you're going to be down there to cover it, I'm sure. Well, just tell us, first of all, why it's such a standout event in the local calendar. Well, it's the biggest event on the calendar in more than one way. Uh, in terms of profile, it's a non-Island Games year. And normally in alternate years, they'd be focused on Island Games qualifying. Whereas this year, there are no Island Games qualifiers. So basically, we've got this big event at the end of the calendar. Um, it's a nice focus for the locals. And yeah, from what I've seen, it's a really strong field. Um, the other reason it's big, of course, is its duration. It's a 2K swim, 90K cycle, and a half marathon run, dipping into Rone Quarry to finish it off. So quite a gruelling event. It'll be difficult to predict. But I think that's kind of a theme of this year's event. We don't know who's going to be crowned Mr. Granite Man, because we, our defending champion, Matt Dorian, who has won this event count quite a few times in the past, is not competing. Uh, on the women's end, we've got Megan Chappell, Island Games silver medalist. She'd be, she'll be the favourite on paper, but I think quite a few things could happen over that duration. Yeah, and it's obviously a, yeah, a, a longer event than we'd see at Island Games, and, and with that sort of extra bit of arduousness in terms of going down into the quarry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, d d you know, for, for those, the, the names that we usually see competing in the kind of Olympic distance stuff, when you push them that extra distance, does that, you know, does that change the uh, complexion of it somewhat? I think so. I expect we've got a few quite good veteran triathletes, I think could take an elevated presence. Um, in terms of a sharp end, we're speaking about not having James Travers and not having Thierry Lechemenon, who have been the two main winners of domestic events this season. So we've sort of got the next tranche of triathletes, some quite strong seniors who are up and coming, but then you've also got the veterans who, what, one of them could pull off a really good race. You never know. And obviously it all works so nicely, doesn't it? The, the name, the branding, the, the Granite Man concept with the quarry. Is, that, is it a novelty or does it actually add a different element in terms of a, a challenge to the uh, athletes? Oh, I think so. I mean, yeah, the quarry's just something different to add into a run. I think it's quite a good way to sell the event and sell Guernsey. And we were hoping a normal year would get more visitors coming over to look at it. Apparently, the quarry is also eight metres deeper than last time. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> glad I'm not doing it. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's a fairly substantial uh, yeah, effort needed to get around there. Um, yeah, maybe not one for me right now. Have you ever thought about taking it on, Jamie? I could maybe be persuaded eventually, but yeah, not for the immediate future. Okay, well, we'll hold you to that, sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, 
yeah, best of luck to everyone taking part in that because, um, yeah, as you say, it's, uh, it's a tough event, but one I'm sure that a lot of hard work has gone into in terms of preparation. So uh, let's, hope, uh, let's hope it all goes well for, for everyone taking part. Uh, Rob, where are you going to be this weekend? I'm going to be at football, but also I'm going to dip into the first session on Saturday morning of the Island Bowls finals. It's uh, two solid days of action at Delancey Park where there won't be hundreds and hundreds watching, but it'll be a avid, um, select few people following the um, the climax of the season. And it's, we've got some good new, some new names involved in the finals, um, particularly in the men's final, for example. We've got Terry Brokenshire and Steve Williams through to the final. So we've got a new champion guaranteed there. And in the ladies, um, Lucy Beer has managed to come through any number of events and probably end up finishing a multiple winner by the end of the weekend. But it's good to see people like um, Yvonne Gallic, former um, Ireland darts player who's taken to the sport in a relative, in a, not that long ago and, and has come under Lucy's wing, as it were, at Corbett Field. And um, they're going to be playing in the women's pairs final. Um, it, promises, it promises to be some interesting action um, over those two days at Delancey. Yeah, good stuff. Gareth, anything on the radar this weekend for you? Well, no, I think I'll just be um, watching my Twitter feed to see if Raiders are actually winning or losing most of um, Saturday afternoon. Um, I think, because it's a swap over of season, I think I'm back to sort of football duty this weekend and then I'll be back to golf duty later on in September. So it's um, it's pretty busy time as, as the summer season comes to a conclusion with some big matches and also sort of the, the winter season really gets underway. So um, there'll be plenty to watch out for. Yeah, well, it's great to see, um, obviously, Raiders back in action and, and some big events coming up obviously the triathlon golf winter incident next week lots of coverage of that to come um yeah good stuff we'll leave it there guys cheers 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 tony thanks very much